0: Welcome to Naturally Happy, the radio show and podcast. I'm Dr. Vidya Reddy. Are you ready to ignite your life? Because it's time to foster your happiness, your relationships, and your health. If you want to live with more passion, experience more freedom, and of course have so much fun, you're in the right place. So close your eyes, open your ears and your heart, and join me on your journey to living happy naturally. Hello, and welcome back to Naturally Happy. I'm Dr. Vidya Reddy. I am so excited to have all of you here. And if you're passionate about your personal and spiritual growth and finding happiness and have access to education, tools, resources, and a community that can help you do better, then listen closely. I've got a secret for you. You don't have to struggle for years to live a happy, purposeful life. The way to transform your life into the life of your dreams is to find clarity, focus, and taking intentional actions. I look forward to helping you become more passionate and driven about finding your purpose and happiness. Get ready to step into your greatness and genius and finally see the results that you deserve. If you're ready to be the best version of yourself, I'm so delighted to be on this journey with you. This episode is about meditation. This episode is about pain. This episode is about compassion. So I want to tie together these three areas. I give a lot of classes and courses in meditation. And one of the things I've noticed is that many people have a view about meditation that it's like shutting yourself down. A lot of people struggle when they meditate because they try to clear their mind. And that phrase, clear your mind, is sort of thrown around a lot. Clear your mind, clear your mind, clear your mind. And of course, you're sitting there trying to clear the mind and the mind is screaming. So people are struggling to clear their mind, to switch off their thoughts I think people are struggling because the whole concept is not helpful. Trying to sort of go into a blank state is more like trying to become unconscious. It's like being in a coma or unconscious. So I think meditation has nothing to do with clearing the mind. It has nothing to do with switching off. It's about switching on. It's about waking up. And so the thoughts, the emotions, and particularly our pain are very powerful catalysts in this practice, if you learn how to work with them in a creative way. So when we talk about meditation and we talk about consciousness, we talk about expanding our consciousness, which is obviously the theme here. What we're talking about is realizing that our mind is bigger than our thoughts And some of the metaphors used in the ancient texts on meditations are metaphors, such as the sky or the ocean. Okay, so imagine you're flying in an airplane, and the plane is coming down to land, and you look out the window, this beautiful blue sky. Then you look down below you, and there's this blanket of clouds, like cotton clouds. It looks very solid. The plane is coming down to land. Of course we know that the plane is going to come down through the clouds and land. But if you didn't know that, maybe if you're a small child or someone who just doesn't know how these things work might think that the plane is going to crash into the clouds because they look very solid. So in the metaphor, obviously the sky is our mind. The clouds are our thoughts and emotions. And this is what happens to us. Is that when we're experiencing our thoughts and emotions, especially if they're difficult, painful thoughts and emotions, we tense up because we think we're going to crash. But of course, if you understand that our mind is just like that sky and the airplane is our awareness, and you're able to just move through those thoughts and emotions without grabbing onto them and without pushing them away, then that's meditation. So another example is the ocean. The ocean has its natural flow. The waves. The waves are coming and the waves are going. The waves are separate from the ocean. They're just the natural expression of the ocean. So because of that non-separation, the ocean doesn't need to push away its waves or grab onto its waves. The ocean has no problem with its waves. So, similarly, the mind doesn't need to have any problem with its thoughts and emotion. If it learns to just accept, and I want to talk about a very simple meditation technique, which I'm sure you've all practiced, but I want to talk about it in this context. And that's when we meditate by focusing on our own breathing. I mean, it's very basic, very classical meditation technique. And I want to talk about how this helps us to enhance our awareness. So when we're focusing on our breathing, we all know how quickly that plan fails because we sit down with the plan that we're going to meditate and we're going to focus on our breath and within a few seconds, we're thinking about what's for lunch or the mind is going here and there. That is where the training now kicks in because here we now have the chance to notice that our mind got lost and bring our attention back to the breathing. So, we're not trying to remove the thoughts, we're just bouncing back to the present moment. So, we're just leaving the thought alone, not blocking it, we're not chasing it, we're just letting it be and returning. So, every time we return to the breath, we're strengthening our awareness, we're building our relationship with our awareness. We bring that awareness, so we're being the sky instead of the clouds. And we do that again and again and again. And obviously, we're going to get stronger at it and more able to come back to the present moment more swiftly. But we're not looking for anything. We're not searching for anything. So this is often the problem that we're searching. I was incredibly tormented, tormented by stress, tormented by unhappiness, pain, Physical pain, emotional pain. And I traveled to India at the age of 24 to study Ayurveda and to study meditation to get rid of my pain. And what happened was I started to become kind of addicted to meditation. I was meditating in a quite addictive sort of way. And I started to get more and more depressed. I started to feel this incredible heaviness in my heart area, kind of like a sinking feeling, like a disappointment depression. And I went to my teacher, my Guruji, and I said, I'm doing all this stuff and it's making me depressed. And he said, no, it's not making you depressed. He said, you're meditating like somebody who's taking drugs. You're looking for a high. You're looking for a bliss. You're searching. You're pushing. You're trying to feel something. And I realized he was right. And this completely changed my attitude to meditation because I started to realize that in our life, we're always searching for something. And our culture is very much a culture of exaggeration of the senses. Feel good, feel high, feel buzzy, get something. Kind of ramping up our senses. The media, the internet, the movies, it's all very snappy. Very kind of exciting. So we want that. We want that lift even the food we eat is laced with any numbers of additives and buzzy chemicals to make us feel something so when we start meditating and the same thing happens we're looking for that we're looking for an experience and the problem with that i find is that when we're searching for that experience we're telling ourselves we don't have it so that at the same time we're looking for happiness and looking to feel good we're creating a deficiency. We're creating a sense of lack, a feeling that we don't have it. So in a way, we're denigrating. We're denigrating our present experience by saying happiness is over there. It's out there. That's how we've lived. That's how we've lived in our society. Happiness is over there. If you're thin enough, rich enough, beautiful enough, whatever enough, then you'll be happy. So then we meditate and we say, if I'm blissed enough, if I'm high enough, if I'm then I'll be happy. So the same cycle starts up again. So I think if we learn to let go of that desire and discover that happiness and joy are in this moment now, then we can start to progress. I'd like to share that after I was initiated into meditation by my Guruji, that I returned to India many, many, many years later and I went on a retreat. I had a lot of arrogance because I've been practicing as a naturopathic doctor for almost 10 years. I was a bit more senior than most people in the retreat. I thought, I'll be fine. There was a kind of pride there, a kind of arrogance. I'll do this. I'm okay. And then I crashed into a very, very severe depression and anxiety. And I remember being unable to even meditate. I remember feeling like I was falling through space without nothing to hold me. And it was such a bizarre combination of like lying at the bottom of a well and also extreme anxiety. And the overriding sensation was like a knife twisting in my heart. And I hated it and I cried and I pushed and I was pushing it away. Who would want to feel like that? Of course, you're going to push it away. And I really hit rock bottom. And of course, when you hit rock bottom. So the only way is up. So something changed in the last half of the retreat where I started to learn how to make friends with that feeling. It was a massive breakthrough for me because I learned how to, instead of pushing away that feeling, I learned how to move closer to it. And that as you expand your awareness, you expand your awareness around the feeling and you completely embrace it. You're opening, you're melting into that feeling. And the key is that you have to drop the storyline because there was a story with the feeling. There was my past, there was this happened, that happened. And those are the storylines that we tell ourselves, which actually distract us from the essence of what is going on in this moment. So when I learned how not to get caught in the story and instead relate with compassion to the feeling, It started to change. It started to melt into a feeling of love. There's a sort of the practice of unconditional kindness. The practice is unconditional love. So you're becoming one with your feeling. Until that point, there's always two things. There's the difficult feeling and there's me being bothered by it. There's the subject and object. I'm being bothered by that. If you become one with it, who is bothering who? How can it hurt you? If you are it and it is you, if there's oneness and that's what compassion is, compassion is oneness. I don't like that word compassion so much. We don't have a word in English that really sums up what is expressed in the teachings on meditation. We use the compassion, but it's not enough because it sounds like a separation. I'm looking down on you. You are sad and I'm feeling sorry for you. That's not it. It's oneness. And it's trained through this interaction with our own mind, this interaction of non-separation and learning that, that the discomfort that we experience is the key to happiness and the key to compassion. So this feeling started to shift. And the second half of my retreat was completely opposite to the first half. The first half of my retreat, the overriding image was that I felt like I was inside a metal box, inside a metal wall with spikes on the inside digging into me. And any move I make, mentally or physically, the ball would roll and the spikes would dig into me. The second half of the retreat was like sinking into a comfortable bed. You are in the comfort of your own mind because you start to make friends with yourself. So this was enormously helpful for me, and something I'm still learning about, and still trying to share with others, on how to make peace with your mind. And so I think when we're trying to go back to my initial point, when we're trying to clear our mind, it's like an inhalation. That's a very aggressive, a very aggressive sort of violent thing to do, to try and empty your mind. When you're trying to push for a bliss or a high or a special feeling, again, this is very aggressive to me. It feels very aggressive because I'm telling myself, this is boring. I don't like this. I want to go over there. So to me, that's a kind of aggression. Then go back to what I was saying about this very simple technique of when you're focusing on your breath. When you're focusing on your breathing, your mind wanders. And then there's a moment when you notice your mind has wandered. How many of you get tense with that? When that happens, it's totally normal, isn't it? We feel like a failure. The mind has wandered and I think, ah, I've blown it. We kind of pull it back. So that's a kind of aggression. Again, I would suggest a different approach. I would suggest that when your mind wanders, you realize that this is what aids you in coming back to the breath. So your thoughts are your friend, not your enemy. They're like weights in a gym. If you go to the gym, you don't want to lift feathers. You want to lift weights. So if your mind is wandering a lot, that's good because it gives you a chance to return. And that moment of recognition that your mind has got lost, that moment is key for many people. That's a moment of failure. Like I asked you, do you get tense? That like you failed? But if you can learn to see that moment as a moment of success, because you were lost and now you're found, and you're back in the conscious awareness, then you're making peace with your thoughts. This is self-forgiveness. This is self-acceptance. This is compassion. And only through resolving that internal conflict can we become a more compassionate person in our external world. So it's very much about the journey to a friendship, friendship with your mind. What I'm talking about, I wonder how many people get the true message, the true correlation of the mind and meditation. It's all the symbol. It's a symbol of the loss of self. It's not about you. You have to go to the ego or destroy it. You have to transcend it. And so when you're experiencing all the torment and the pain, and going through all those experiences. That's what I've been talking about. It's a symbol of embracing the shadow, embracing the darkness. It's not about flying up there. It's not outside. It's not outside yourself. It's about flying in the heart. If you want to fly up there, then just catch a plane. It's so easy. So I think that's the important message about meditation. I want to share with you is that it's about compassion. Now, I want to say a few more things about compassion. I think there's a lot of people who meditate, understandably, to reduce their stress. That's fine. That's okay. But there comes a point when you want to kind of go further. Then that becomes a point where it's kind of beyond just relaxing. And that's what my work is all about on my website, naturally happy.com. I think the point is where you start thinking about compassion and the idea that your practice of meditation is an act of compassion, and you're practicing in order to benefit others, not just yourself, and this is how you expand your practice. You know, when we do a session of meditation, maybe, I don't know, about 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and your mind is just wandering the whole time, and we finish our 10 minutes, and we think, well, that was that. What was that about? Was it even worth it? It feels like a drop in the ocean, doesn't it? But if you motivate that practice as compassion, you're doing it for compassion. Then you're taking that drop and you're putting it in the ocean. The drop in the ocean becomes the ocean. It becomes limitless. What is the ocean? The ocean is simply the total of all the drops. So when we do our meditation and we start each session by creating a very profound intention of compassion we all want to benefit all beings and we're meditating out of love for all beings then at the end of the session having a moment of dedicating the practice to all beings a moment where you think I give this to all beings what you've done is you've turned your 10 or 20 minute meditation into a compassion practice and one of the vedic texts it says if you have a drop of water and it's just laying on the palm of your hand and you just leave it there the drop of water just dries up if you want to make that drop of water last forever you take that drop and you drop it in the ocean and it becomes a part of the ocean so similarly with your practice if your practice of meditation is very self motivated it's like a drop of water on the hand it just dries up. If it's compassion motivated it's like putting that drop of water in the ocean it becomes limitless. What do I mean by self motivated practice? I mean when we're just trying to get something out of it for ourselves because the problem there is that the self is insatiable. Our self is it's like working for a boss who's never happy with anything you do, whatever you do, but the boss says it's not good enough. I want more. You didn't do it right. That's the nagging voice of our ego, which is constantly telling us, you've got to be better. You've got to be bigger. You've got to be stronger. You've got to be more this, more that. Because then the mechanism of self is all around pushing for something and pushing away something wanting more wanting to get away from something else grasping after pleasure pushing away discomfort this is like running on a wheel like a hamster on a wheel running 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 not moving running towards pleasure running away from pain that's the sort of mechanisms of the ego and so when that becomes our energy of our meditation practice the same problems happen we start the meditation practice actually feels like it's dry like it's a drop of water that's just dried up. It doesn't seem to. There's no juice. It's just dry. And the practice becomes very unsatisfying. It becomes, well, you could experience what I experienced when I was having that sort of heaviness in my heart. Because I was feeling, I wasn't getting anything from it. It was an ego-based practice. A compassion-based practice is where you're practicing for the benefit of others, which includes you, I'm not saying you're just this doormat and you're becoming this kind of a martyr and help everybody and you're going to be miserable. I don't mean that. Compassion is incredibly enriching. And according to Vedic and Buddhist philosophies, compassion is the natural state of our mind. And I'm very interested in the links between the Vedas and Buddhism and neuroscience. And when I talked with neuroscientists or read research, they talked about the natural chemistry of the body which the baby experiences. Oxytocin is a chemical between the mother and child that when she's breastfeeding, the mother and baby go into a state of oxytocin. It's also a default state chemically and oxytocin is the chemistry of love, the chemistry of unconditional love. And you know when it's love that needs something like a validation, that's more like dopamine, the druggy love. And when it's love that expands and that doesn't need anything in return, it's oxytocin. So to me, that suggests that we are hardwired for love on a chemical level. And Buddhist philosophy has talked about this for centuries. But it's exciting to see how science is catching up to the Vedas and Buddhism. 25 years a bit late. So, according to this knowledge, compassion is our natural state. So that the quality of our consciousness is love. The quality of and nature of our consciousness is love, unconditional love, not love that needs validation, but unconditional love. So if we are meditating with that in mind, and we're having that sense of compassionate giving in our practice, then we're on the right track. As I said earlier, how you relate to your own discomfort is the key. It is absolutely the key And when I try to work with myself and what I try to share with others, is in those tiny moments, those tiny moments of discomfort throughout the day, find those very interesting. Find those tiny moments of physical and emotional discomfort. That's the practice. So when you're standing in queue, when you're stuck in traffic, even when you're in a hotel and you're pressing the button at the elevator and you're waiting for the elevator, There's a moment of waiting, isn't there? A moment when the body tends up. When's the elevator going to come? We see all these moments of waiting, being stuck in traffic, standing in queue. We see these moments of discomfort, moments of time stolen. For a meditator, these are moments of time given. Because if you can learn how to, in that moment, deeply surrender, You'll reprogram your brain. You'll reprogram in your heart. You're learning to meet discomfort as a friend. So it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing like sitting in a month long retreat and having a knife twisted in your heart, like I was describing. It can be a very subtle moment during the day when you feel that discomfort instead of seeking another, something to get rid of it. You meet it with love, you meet it with acceptance. Those tiny micro sensations are very exciting when you learn how to work with them. Micro sensations in the body, micro sensations of tension in your shoulders, in your belly, in your hands. Learning how to be, don't even try to relax them because trying to relax them is kind of like an aggression. I'm tense, I need to relax. What I mean is, you must meet it with awareness. This whole thing is around awareness. This whole thing is around conscious awareness. Being the sky instead of the clouds, the sky encompasses the clouds. So, normally, when we have some sensations of tension in our body, we push them away, we hate them. But if you relax with them and just be compassionate and be in that moment with awareness, you make friends with reality. This is how to increase joy. Without looking for joy. It's a paradox. You know how people fall in love? When they stop looking for Mr. or Mrs. Right. It's the same with meditation. One of my teachers once said, We are mentally very rich when we desire nothing. I think that's a powerful statement. We are mentally rich when we desire nothing. So, what I'm saying here is that if you're trying to push yourself into a state of joy, you're just focusing on the absence of joy. You're focusing on the lack. If, on the other hand, you meet pain with joy, you're reprogramming yourself. You're teaching yourself that you can be present and in this moment. Everything you always wanted is there. What this exercise does is a very clever thing the exercise of learning. Learning to be mindful or aware or present in traffic jams or queues or when your phone slows down, any kind of those waiting situations, it's very clever because the next time you're stuck in traffic, you're going to think, Great, I can try that thing now. I can do that thing I learned from Vidya on the podcast. I'm going to do it. So you're almost saying, Bring it on, bring it on, bring it on, bring on the pain because this is my training. So then your relationships change. That person you find uncomfortable becomes your friend. Because instead of mentally shutting down and feeling, oh, this is pain, I want this to go away, you're opening to it. Your consciousness is expanding to just be with what is and not push anything away. So you have a kind of oneness, like a unity. And that means anytime anything goes wrong in your life, you could kind of get excited about it. So you could think, I'm going to rewire my neurons. I'm going to change my brain chemistry. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because normally we want to feel good. But feeling bad, it doesn't have to be feeling bad. It's a subjective experience. It's a matter of opinion. So I'd like to end this session with a short meditation. I'd love to meditate with you guys together. But before we get started, I know a lot of you enjoy listening to podcasts while driving. Please do not listen to this particular meditation or any other guided meditations on naturally happy while doing something that requires your complete attention, especially like driving your car. Now, if you're like a lot of people that like to close your eyes when you meditate, then the meditation I'd like to share with you, which is really easy to do, maybe not in the room, but you're right now, but is to look at the ocean, to look at the ocean or look at the sky. So in this room, I'd like you to visualize the ocean or the sky, but I'd also like to encourage you later to go and do this on the beach if you can, where you're literally looking into the horizon. You're looking into where the ocean and the sky meet. You're looking out many miles in front of you in a straight line. Blink whenever you need to. Don't sit there with your eyes watering. What you're doing is you're mixing. You're mixing your mind with space. Your mind is expanding. Your mind is becoming one with the sky. You're not kind of hemmed in. You're completely open and all the distractions are just like waves in the ocean or clouds in the sky. And you're just almost looking through them, looking beyond them, and you're not grasping after them. You're going into a whole journey and you're not pushing them down. So let's try a little session like this but it has three steps. It's what I call a compassion sandwich. You're going to start with compassion. You're going to do the practice and then end with compassion. Compassion on either side of the technique. So let's see that. Sit nice and straight. You can close your eyes to start with if you want. And we're going to take three deep breaths. We're going to breathe in deeply through your nose. We're going to breathe out deeply through your mouth. Just to settle, breathe in, breathe out. Feel yourself waking up. Breathe in deep. Breathe out deep. Feel yourself. Feel yourself dancing. Breathe in deep, breathe out deep. Feel yourself singing. Open your eyes. Spend a moment generating the intention that you wish to benefit others. Generating the intention that you wish to bring peace to this world generating the intention of unconditional love love towards the enemy as well as the friend generating the wish that we may practice to wake up and wake everybody else up now just look straight in front of you and or imagine that you're looking into space, into the sky, into the sea. Your mind goes on for miles. There's no edge, no boundary. You are that space. Space can encompass everything. The pain, the pleasure, the distraction, the angry thoughts, the idle thoughts that what's for lunch thoughts, that when is she going to finish thoughts, it's all there, but you are space. You are looking into that horizon where the ocean and the sky meet. Later, you can do this for real on the beach for now. We're doing this in our mind. Your mind will get distracted. Just try to look through those distractions like clouds or waves. They're just natural. They're not going to be rejected and you don't need to follow them. Following them is like trying to change them. Rejecting them is like trying to change them. Don't try to change yourself. You're fine like you are. Okay. Now to finish the session, become aware of your body. Just to ground yourself, feel the chair beneath you. Feel all the points of contact between your bottom and the seat, your back and the back of your chair. You can close your eyes if you want to feel the body where it's present touching the chair. Feel the ground underneath your feet. Feel the contact between your feet and the floor, and then we end with the moment of compassion. Again, make a strong intention or a prayer or a commitment in your heart to bring peace to the world, to bring compassion to others. Your practice is the path to compassion, and let's stop here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Naturally Happy. Make sure you share it. Share what you've learned. Share what made you grow. Share what you're experimenting with. These are ideas I want you to experiment with, play with, and learn from. Remember, this is your journey. I'm just facilitating it. I'm helping you grow. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for being here, and I'm so, so grateful. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of this episode. I hope you're gonna share this all across social media. Let people know that you've subscribed to Naturally Happy. Let me know, post it. Tell me what difference it's making in your life. I'd love to see your thoughts and I can't wait for this incredibly conscious community we're creating a purposeful, happy people. You are now a part of the tribe, a part of the squad. Thank you for being here and I can't wait to share the next episode with you in peace, love, and gratitude. Till next time.